No, absolutely not. I don't care if it is technically allowed by the rules. I will not let you play as a paladin slash assassin multi-class named the Dark Knight. And welcome back to the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today, well, Eric just came back from a game convention and he got all kinds of angry in him. Yeah, I'm getting a little get-off-my-lawn-ish, I think. Uh, yeah, he was a little cranky when he came back. You're supposed to come back relaxed. Excited, and, and revitalized, excited. and yeah. refreshed. Yeah. yeah, and I sort of am. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But this was a game hole con up in Wisconsin, attended by a lot of uh, the people heavily involved with D&D. The insiders? The insiders. Gaming Jeremy luminaries. Crawford, Mike Merles. Like, they were all there. Right? Really? Um, and it's also a wide variety of gaming. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of an old school style convention. But uh, a bunch of stuff happened there that I really want to talk about. I'm excited about. We weren't planning on doing this podcast this week, but I think it's it's fresh and, and I think it's be an interesting conversation. All right. Well, so you were at the game convention and so you must have played some other games. So let's do our games people play. Yeah, I'll, I'll go last and that will okay. probably yeah, lead us into All right. Uh, Greg, what did you play this last couple of weeks? I have done absolutely nothing in the last couple of weeks except. Why do we keep him around? I, know, I don't know. Except <laughs> another week of prep on our Star Wars campaign. Uh, How long which does it take you to prep for this game? <laughs> well, when, Good we're, Lord. when we only get together as a group for two hours every other week. Here's my problem um, with that as a number cruncher. If you have a zero yeah. session, that's not. Then you have another one. It's not. The first one should have been a negative one, but you didn't know that at the time. Mm. So now, great. Yeah, half, first half the people, half the people bailed on it. A negative three session. So, you know, I, I don't. It just doesn't work for me. It's like time travel. When, when is your actual zero session? Because it should be before yeah. session one. But we don't know when session one for that game. Yeah. Well, happen. this coming Friday we should be having session like point five because I think we're going to finalize our characters and then we're hoping to have a the characters kind of you know get together type thing. So we may actually play this week. Um, but in our last zero session, yeah, everybody firmed up uh, who they were going to be, what they were going to play, and uh, and we worked on some of the background characters because we're we're doing this on a completely made up planet, on a completely made up thing. So we're not just making up characters; we're also making up background, a setting. Uh, the game master and I, we uh, uh, my care, I'm playing a, the. Um, I'm playing a uh, Mandalorian deputy in the town, and then we have a um, uh, the sheriff is going to be one of those big forearm guys uh, from. Okay, uh, Sheriff that, Rick so. Shay. Yeah, oh, big big forearm dude with a mustache, and yeah, he wanders in and out of town. But yeah, we're we're it's it's basically it's a Star Wars campaign, but the setting is supposed to be more like uh, Serenity. Okay, right. you know, right. so we're doing old west. Backwood Star Wars. Star Wars which, is good for that. You can do anything. It's yeah. sort of like Firefly. Yeah. yeah. So and that's yeah, that's that's thing is the the master, he's a big fan of Firefly. Yeah. So we're doing Firefly Star Wars. Well, I am gonna pick up the average a little bit for you, Greg. Um <laughs> You played fifty two games last no. weekend. <laughs> Not quite. No, I did do four different games over the last week. Um primarily I set up the big Artemis gaming conv- uh, uh, game day at the planetarium. Yeah. And I know that's not a board game, but it is a game that you have to socially interact with. So it's very akin to a board game. If none of our listeners have played Artemis, it's a Starship Bridge simulator and it's an interesting game dynamic. Yes. Uh, because you think have Star to work Trek. It's very much like Star Trek. Successful. Yeah, you have a uh, captain, a comms officer, Weapons and Helms officer, science and engineer, and they've also added in fighters 
fighter pilots now cool. too. Oh, nice! And you have to work together in order to succeed in the game. And uh, I had that uh, set up at the planetarium at the uh, college that uh, I work at, and it was a lot of fun. But in addition to that, I also played a very intense game of Settlers of Catan. <laughs> and <laughs> no, it was, it was because I was like with Oregon Trail edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I love Settlers of Catan. It's a good go-to game. Yeah. Um, and I almost won, but my daughter. Man, she just took that victory right out from underneath me. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, she's, she's really she's good. Ruthless. She's ruthless. She's yeah. very good at it. I did a play test of a brand new game, not a brand new game, but a brand new scenario for my uh, favorite game, Memoir 44. Yeah. It's an overlord game. It took eight people to get together, and we all got together and we wow, played it. Wow, that's And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was. How many boards were you using? We were using uh, three boards, yeah. eight wow. people. It was the Overlord edition, and we were doing the Guadalcanal attack on Henderson Field scenario. Oh, cool. cool. I've never played that one. It was very close. I expected the uh, the Japanese players to lose more readily than they did, but they closed it up within two points, wow. and it was 14 points to win. Wow. And then nice. I did get really old grognardy, and I broke out my Richtofen's War and <laughs> showed it to a guy to play. <laughs> and Eric, I know you and I, we've played um, uh, Dawn Patrol. Yeah, and they and they were at Game Hole Con. Yeah, and they have the original oh. board they've been playing with for like forty years. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Rick Toffin's War is more of a mano a mano type yeah. of thing. And it was you know World War One biplanes and triplanes fighting it out. And yeah. it's it's kind of. Uh, Gaming with accounting. I have Blue Max sitting at home that we yeah. should sit down and play oh, sometime. Oh, cool! Yeah, so, I remember that one. I had a good time. That yeah. was that was my gaming experience. Well, I mean, two weeks ago I ran Adventures League at the game store, but then I canceled last Wednesday because I was headed up to GameholeCon up in Wisconsin, about four hours drive. <laughs> um, so, uh, still working on the module that was due on November first <laughs> for Adventures League. Uh, and, that's passed. And, and I saw yeah, the person that's uh, the, sort of my boss in this regard up at GameholeCon, and he's like, "Yeah, I should ha- hopefully have something for Monday." So after this <laughs> podcast, uh, you know, I'm going to have to. Uh, you do have the day off. Go and yeah, go and record. But I think probably the best route is just to go through my GameholeCon schedule because that's going to generate a lot of the discussion we're talking about. Okay, so let's hear it. So first one sat down and played a uh, Adventures League uh, Tier One. Which is levels one through uh, yeah. five. Right? One through five? four. One it's through four. four. One through four. four. You're correct. Um, mm. And I play with my friend Dan. We have a pair of barbarian brothers that uh, we started as barbarians, and he went rogue, and I went fighter, and we're, we just determined we're only going to play them at the same time. Like we're never going to play <laughs> them any other time. So they level at the same rate, and uh, it's a pretty cool dynamic. I, you know, I give him his sneak attack bonus with my commander strike on my turn. So, and I play a protection fighter, which you don't see a lot of. So that was fun. Um, then I jumped over to Starfinder Society, uh, path, which is the mm-hmm. science fiction, fiction Pathfinder. Have you done that before? No, no, I had not okay. played. I had played Pathfinder before. I have that you know online game that we play, but yeah. um, I quickly realized why I don't play Pathfinder. <laughs> it, it, it just reinforced. <laughs> and what would that reason be, my good friend? The rule system is just so convoluted. I mean, there's so many. It's So many and, people play weird. and like it, though. It's coming from me. I'm a number cruncher, right? But I think the, the big thing is I don't like having to plan my character out anymore. I just want to play my character and have them develop. Mm-hmm. But... In Pathfinder, even as far as I know for the new versions as well, you sort of have to have a plan for your character. You have to know where you're going at level 20 because if you take a wrong step, you're not getting there. Huh. 
Wow, what's the? That's kind of weird. Because they have yeah, like these that feet. They sound... have these feet trees. So you have to take a feet. You know, this feet at two, this feet at six, this feet at eight, this feet at ten, in order to get to the last feet, which is the awesome thing you want to end up doing. And if you don't take that feet, now you're two levels behind. If you don't, if you miss it twice, all of a sudden you're not getting to where you want to be. Dude, so, that doesn't even happen in real life. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're kind of <laughs> saying it's more. It's more about the goal than the journey, and the journey is the long part. Well, <laughs> and and the difference between a a character that's built for you know a maximized character and a just generic character is significant. So and and I'll talk about this a little bit with Adventures League as well. But Pathfinder it's even worse because um, at least in D and D you can still pick stuff up. You're not making that many critical decisions early on, um, and the ones you are making are the ones that you want. Like I want to be a hexblade warlock, so I'm taking hexblade. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you decided you didn't want to do that, then it's not really the character you're making anyway. So why do you you know? Right. Know what I'm saying yeah. so. Well, I've heard that uh, isn't a new version 2.0 yeah, of Pathfinder yeah, they're, coming they're out soon? Yeah, they're playtesting a new version. Do you think they're going to tear down some of that? Well, uh, Starfinder just came out last year. So the new 2.0 Pathfinder, I don't know if that's impacting Starfinder or not, truthfully. Hmm. I mean, th- now, that being said, the people I was playing with were great. You know, Yeah, I mean, right. You had a good time, yeah, I hope. Yeah, I mean, they, they were helpful. You know, I told them I you know, haven't done this now. Yeah, my, my Pathfinder experience was the same. Yeah, they, they were yeah, and nice, really helpful people. And, you yeah. know, that's that's their game. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who played Pathfinder once, and they said the same thing. Oh, it was really great. They had a character all rolled up for me, but that'll be the last time I play Pathfinder. <laughs> and their their organized play options are way better than Adventures League right now. They the Pathfinder Society it, it's it seemed complicated. And the rules they have are much more reasonable than current season eight rules in Adventures League. Um, which is a whole other discussion, which most of our listeners don't care about. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but the other part is um, I've been toying with the idea of starting up like a traveler game, an infrequent traveler game. Um, I don't Have you guys ever played Traveler? I have not. No, I, so, I avoided it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Mark Miller was actually at Game Kind. I picked up a Traveler t-shirt. And, um, and it's a sort of open-ended sci-fi, but it's very – based in reality you don't have yeah that that's the game where you can die in character creation yeah you can yeah. you can kill yourself in character creation what yeah <laughs> you know you never you don't know about path uh, traveler character creation no okay so basically you start out and you join one of the service branches um and it could be the scouts it could be the navy you could be a marine and then you serve tours, like four-year okay. term. I think it's four-year term. Like kind of character background and development. Yeah, that's how you generate your character. And basically, so you could theoretically like come out at twenty-two after one term and be not very skilled at anything. Mm-hmm. You'd get like the basics, but you're twenty-two years old. Um, on the other side, you can stay in for like ten terms, come out at sixty-two, and be given a, a starship as part of your mustering out. For you to use, you know, and you have a, you're an admiral, and you know whatever it's, and you get all these every time you you do a tour. Reenlist, yeah. you get skills, you know, hmm. you, you pick up skill points, and you have to roll to reenlist. It's not automatic, so you don't get. Sometimes you get forced out, uh, but you can also die during one of those oh, tours. Wow, it just seems crazy. Interesting. But, uh, hmm. I know old old Faza Star Trek was like that, where yeah. you started out and you were in the academy and you gained skills and you went through it all as a process. But it, it, you ended up with a character, not a corpse. <laughs> well, and it's the old school asymmetrical game design, which we'll also talk about in a little bit. Um, not everybody's created equal. One f- brand new character might be more skilled than another brand new character. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
the entire industry has gotten away from that. I, and I call it the World of Warcraft influence. Everything needs to be balanced. Yes. We want yeah, everything yeah. to be at, at first level. Everybody should be able to have the same yeah. DPS or buffing. You know, it should all balance out. Um, I yeah. see his grognard, grognard horns starting to grow. Yeah. I, yeah. I, always, I always think of that as the uh, that's the participation award syndrome. Yeah, could be that. So, um, so now, you know, you got Pathfinder or Starfinder and Traveler, and I still think I'm still leaning towards Traveler just because I like the more science-y. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi. Yeah. I used to go in the game store, and there would be this this rack of these black books with this little red and white type on the bottom. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is that's that? That's the T-shirt I, I, I got. The I black T-shirt wanna... with the Traveler logo and the lines. Yeah, yeah. that's I that's mean... Traveler to me. Yeah, these, these anonymous black books that everybody said, yeah, you don't want to get into that. That's that's too much. That's that's yeah, no. Just I was always told to avoid it. You either <laughs> you either you were all in or not. Yeah, there was no dabbling in Traveler. The other part I like about Traveler, and there's there's been other games this way, um, combat's dangerous. In D&D, combat's not dangerous most of the time. No, I, I would agree yeah. with that. You know, uh, but in Traveler, like, you want to try to avoid combat if you can, because once the laser beams start flying, you could take a headshot and be dead. I mean, well, <laughs> if, you, if you can get dying character creation, you can certainly die in gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds but, like a very interesting uh, game. Yeah, well, I mean, it's what you make it because it's sort of open-ended. It, there is a background okay. with, with star systems and planets, governments. But but it's more towards the realism end of the spectrum. Like if, if we were in the future in a starship, we wouldn't be throwing down at every alien that looked at us sideways. Right. You know, I mean, you'd be like, oh, there's a little bit of self-preservation involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, you know, there is combat, but it, you're not going to sort of, you know, pull out the gun every every chance you get. So what else did you play while you were there? Um, so then uh, there was a – I went to a Thursday night reception, which I only signed up for because mm-hmm. it was free to sign up, and you got a free beer. But they did not have Spotted Cow. Oh, Spotted well, Cow. Well, they, oh, it was on its way, but the representative from the brewery hadn't arrived yet, so they couldn't serve it. Like, they had the keg. So I had to drink, like, some Miller Lite crap. It was oh. still free. Spotted Cow is so good. Um, now, I did, when I got there Wednesday night, the first thing I did was I uh, drove to a food store, and I picked up a case of Spotted Cow for a 12-pack for $15. At the convention center, a single... Uh, bottle was seven dollars. <laughs> Holy smoke! Wow! So, so I made the occasional trip to my car, <laughs> and it was cold enough that it was and chilled. It was yeah, yeah, it snowed the Friday morning. Wow. I had snow on my car, but um, <laughs> and, and Madison, Wisconsin, has a seedy side. Man, when I was driving to a food store, there was like it's it college was, town. It was late, right? I mean, it was dark. It was probably like nine mm-hmm. o'clock by the time I got there. There's like a massage parlor with a flashing neon sign. <laughs> nice. I'm like, I don't think that's therapeutic massage. <laughs> Do you, uh, yeah. Which I, I didn't expect uh, to walk-ins see. Walk-ins welcome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, we are definitely doing that at GaryCon, I think. We are stopping and getting at it. At a massage parlor? No. The, <laughs> wow, I'm going to go with you guys. I'm, I'm still on the spotted cow, man. I'm just I, – yeah, I'm yeah. wanting well, me some spotted cow. And, and, I'll have to say, I've had spotted cow numerous times. I've got some sitting in my uh, refrigerator for an upcoming beer tasting party that I'm hosting. And it's okay. Yeah, for those – it's an ale. For those who don't know, um, but the it's new – Glacius. New, new Gladius. New Glarus. Glarus. New Glarus Brewery. They only sell it in Wisconsin. And that's what makes it That's what appealing. makes it special. It's, it's not like, like... I can't get it here, yeah, so I got to go there It's a lot it. like Blue Moon, I mean, really, Yeah, to it be is. Fair. It's similar. It's a lighter um, beer yeah. you know, or lighter ale. Yeah. Um, and they have different... They actually have other beers as well, but 
I like just a traditional spotted cow. So, yeah. so that's that's my gaming beer now, though. And so I also picked up uh, one of the little packages of fried chicken, you know, that was in a plastic package, and I stuck that in my hotel fridge so that I could save a little money because, you know... Uh, this it's, sounds it's, like a really expensive convention it, it to was. eat and drink at. A slice of pizza was $7. Holy now, shit. Now, here's the other thing. They had these uh, these uh, cups that if you ordered it when you signed up, it was $10, and it was free refills for soda. I didn't get one because I'm trying yeah, to they cut did back that a soda. Okay. But here's the thing. A cup of soda, $3.50. So $10 for unlimited soda or three fifty a cup. Wow. Yeah. Now, the, the cup was still, if you bought it there, was 15 Um So it was still probably worth it if you're a soda drinker. Yeah. Um, as it turned out, I just brought a Do water Do people bottle. just not bring their own stuff to this convention? Man. I'm going to be there for four days. Did. and uh, yeah, You, you know, gotta... there was actually a huge variety. I, I mean, think I would spend more at that convention than I would at food at Gen Con. Probably. Gen Con is the trick is to go to the mall food court. Right. Because that's just normal price food. Yeah. Which is nice. But, so, um, yeah. Anyway, so, we're kind of off track. <laughs> uh, oh, well, the other thing is yeah. uh, they have plushies, stuffed animal plushies. Mm-hmm. And um, so I picked up a... Uh, <laughs> What's the chest thing? Uh, the, uh, a mimic? A mimic. Oh, the mimic, yeah. They had a mi- that was from a prior year, but that one's a really cool one. They had like a uh, some other some new ones, and those are really popular. They, they sell those for like 10 bucks each. He didn't bring us any. I know. No, I didn't bring you guys. Or- Jack, because you should have went to Game Hole Con. <sighs> some of us have to work. Yeah. Greg didn't work. I was at work the entire time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he didn't have to work. Um so I went to that reception. Then, okay, so here's here's my first, you know, grognard moment. Okay, so we're now we're going to be talking about what went wrong for Eric. Went well, off actually, the rails. it's not. It's or, it, Adventures or, League. We'll just talk about eventually. So first night, I did an epic. I think we did tier two, which is what five through ten, right? Yep. Uh, yes. Um, and that went well. That was fun. Multi table. You know, we're we're doing whatever. Um. Saturday night did another epic, and they have this epic called the Red War. And uh, play tier four, have a 17th level sorcerer wizard, Nuster dumbass, dice manipulation character, fun character to play. <sighs> Sat down at a table. You know, I, I was obviously by myself. And, uh, my other friend there didn't have a tier four, so I, uh, you know, he played his his thing. I did mine. Sit down at this table, and everyone has these crazy characters. They're all level 20, right? <laughs> and you're I, level what? what? I'm 17, so 17. just sneaking into Tier 4. And they're like, uh, anybody need a Staff of the Magi? I have two of them. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> two st- and that's because of Season 8, the way they did it. You had to convert some of your magic items, so people just ended up taking, like, artifacts. Um, so the problem is that in organized play, they try to account for players like that. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we sit down. The DM reads box text for 10 minutes. I've done nothing except listen to the DM. Then the DM says, everybody take 65 points of damage, no saving throw. Take 65? Yeah, because this portal opened up. Apparently, we just walk into where this portal is. You're, you're standing, you're standing we, there no observing some box anything, text. Right? Yeah. It's just box text. You and failed the, your and save the, against The session box starts text. with 65 damage, no save. Okay. Every roll initiative. Roll initiative. Roll crappy, but... Shouldn't matter, right? I mean, when you go. Except at the beginning of your initiative, prior to even doing anything, take another 65. So you're already at 130 points of damage? Yeah. Um, Oh, Is anybody teetering over at this point? And make a save 
And if you fail, you take like another 50. So basically, having done nothing the entire adventure. But listen to box text. But listen to box text. <laughs> I might already be dead. That is the very definition of railroading. Yes. Right? I, I mean, would agree. Your players have done nothing. If that is what passes for good adventure design, I'm done with Adventures League. Wow. Like, that's just bullshit. I'm sorry. That, like That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. What was the purpose behind that? Did you even find out what was causing this? Yeah, in the well, game? it was supposed to be some rift, and there was some back. The, the Red War is a whole big story thing, and the guy who wrote, I think it was Alan Patrick, right? Wrote it. Forgive me if I'm not correct, and he's a big Adventures League guy. But the point of it is to make your characters on the verge of death for the entire run. But that's fine. I actually don't have a problem with that. But don't remove player agency from the equation, right? You have to give the players. The opportunity to do something to before you impose your will on yeah. them. Like, if that's the, I mean, literally, the only way it could have been worse, like, no exaggeration, if we would have sat down and the DM said, You're all dead, have a nice day. Like, that's literally the only way that adventure you could have been worse. Damn close to yeah, that. Yeah, very well, close. Well, that's it. I mean, I got to roll a save to prevent being dead. I got one die roll that I had no control over. I didn't do what anything else. What was the else. reaction to the other players at the game? Well, at the table? they were all these, you know, totally. Uh, and truthfully, I don't even know how their characters were designed because it seemed like every roll they rolled in the 30s. I'm like, how do you have 30 everything? I wasn't asking. I don't care. And this frightens me coming from you because you're the number crunchiest person I know. And these people seem to have frightened you. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I mean. They were able to roll with it because they had these uber magic items. I don't know. I I wasn't asking. I, at the, literally, the first 10 minutes of the adventure, I was like, why am I even here? And this was went on for four hours. Yeah. And we failed because <laughs> – let me tell you about the wrap-up. <laughs> so – Was there actually some gameplay in the middle? There was. You, we went through these random rooms that were randomly generated, the entire purpose of which was to use up resources and wear us down. Again, I don't have too much of a problem with that. To what end? That's, okay. that's my, that would be my of, question. By the time you get to the final fight, you're supposed to be pretty in pretty rough shape. So the final fight, and uh, anybody who wants to play this and doesn't want spoilers, stop listening. Um, Actually, you might want to listen so you can avoid it. We, we show up on this little disc. If you fall off the disc, you're dead, right? <laughs> And it's this bad dude, lich dude, and one evoker for every character that can cast spells. Well, here's a here's a clue. Pretty much every class in 5th edition can cla- yes, cast spells. Yeah. There's very few that don't get that. Barbarian, maybe one path of the barbarian. I mean, almost everybody gets spells. So there's seven evokers and this mm-hmm. lich. So I actually rolled decent for initiative, and I'm going to do mass suggestion, right? Pull out the big guns. One of the evokers counters. Well, here's the thing. It was a charity event. So I had all these tickets that I had bought for re-rolls, right? (laughs) Um, And they weren't countering at high enough level, so they could fail. And everyone else at the table thought this was sort of cool, too. Let's just make them fail their counters. So seven evokers try to counter. They all fail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we donated a lot of money to charity, which was cool. I I, I, yeah. I enjoy that. I like the point. Idea. That's yeah. kind of a cool um, idea. Then apparently there's glyphs that also contain counterspell. So the glyphs countered. We've countered all those. We're like, no, we're, we want this mass suggestion because it would be cool. 
Um, so we've gone through seven of those and five glyphs, 12 counter spells. <laughs> then the Lich counters, and you can't counter that because. Because purple. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so my spell, we've now spent all that time wow. trying to get this one spell to get everybody to gang up on Lich, which would be a fun thing. Like, here's all your buddy evokers. They all attack their Lich master, right? Nope, not going to happen because um, let's just remove any player agency. If you're a spellcaster, you're not doing anything during this combat because I have 14 counter spells ready to go. Hmm. Oh, boy, that's fun. Boy, that's a great time, isn't it? That sounds it? exciting. Like, well, we, we were in the back of the room. We couldn't hear anything. We didn't start on time. We didn't even get through one combat round. Hard stop. Guess what? You didn't kill the lich. You guys lose. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy so, smokes. That does not sound like four hours of fun. No. <laughs> and um, my friend Dave, um, who wrote the Tenets of Bane series, right, from down by St. Louis, I had spoken to him, and I was telling him about He goes, you know what? I don't play epics in Adventures League for that very reason. They're just not fun. They're just not fun. And I think I might agree with him. Mm. Like, high-level play, if you're trying to account for every possible circumstance, you have wrote the textbook definition of a railroad adventure. I would have to agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, Sounds like and it. my view is give the DM leeway. I don't care if one DM plays it a little easier than the next DM. Like, that's fine. You're not going to have total consistency. Let the DM run the module, right? DMs aren't robots that, you know, it's, you know, from A to B to C. Let the DM run the module. And fourth, tier four, you should be getting experienced DMs that are able to roll with whatever the party throws at them and yeah. still provide an enjoyable play experience. I did not have a good time during that epic. And it might be the last epic I play, truthfully. Wow. It just wow. was not fun. Well, as somebody who does not play Adventure League, um, I mean, I've played other types of organized play, but not in Adventure League. There's a lot of people who have a lot invested in this type of stuff. And let's oh, yeah. And, oh, and are yeah. very much into it. Right. And if this had happened to... Well, obviously it did happen... What was the reaction to the other people? They were disappointed. They didn't, but they were disappointed because they are already like crushed a million other epics to make their characters as uber as they were. Um, Did they say I, anything to the I DM? Think, I think they thought it was the DM felt bad. I think they thought it was a little bit of bullshit because we started literally ten minutes after everybody else because we couldn't hear anything that was going on. We were in the back of the hall. You know, they're making these announcements coming out. <laughs> And we have no idea what, what's being said. So we're having to send a player up to the front table to find out. So wait a second. You said the DM felt bad. Isn't because they the called d- a hard stop. They okay, were like, I thought, you have to stop right now. It doesn't matter where you are. Okay, I over. thought the DM felt bad because of the way he ran the game. No, I mean, he, was, obviously, he was a solid DM. I, okay. You know, I'm not faulting him. Um, but the way they like game, he was running it, he was running it as written. He was running yeah. it as and, written. And here's the ironic. No flexibility. Yeah. Wow. And, well, he didn't have it. And here's the ironic part. If we wouldn't have done that whole counterspell thing, we probably would have won. Hmm. Because our melee would have just charged in, like was supposed to happen, according to the author. Yeah. You know, no player agency. This is how you're supposed to win this fight, and nothing else is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah. bad yeah. adventure design. Yeah. So what else? Did, did you do any panels? Did you do Oh, any, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next thing was um, fifth edition seminar. Uh, Jeremy Crawford. <laughs> Um, nice. The guy who runs eventually, I don't remember his name, um, and somebody else, some other big wig. 
Now, uh, now the highlight of <laughs> you that. You see how important they are yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, the highlight of that was at one point they were talking about which classes are popular. And um, <laughs> this shows my true grognard and expertise. <laughs> they say, we have seen a spike lately in a particular race class combination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does anybody want to guess what it is? <laughs> so the guy behind me says, Furball Druid. And I'm like, it's not Furball Druid. Do you guys want to guess? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean. Any, any? So I call something. out Tiefling Warlock. Sure enough. Oh. And everybody stares at me because <laughs> they're like, how do you know that? I play enough D&D mm-hmm. that I've seen a rise in tiefling warlocks. The it only just... warlock I have played with was a tiefling. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, My daughter's warlock is a tiefling. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's a good race class combo, which yeah. we'll talk about in our next warlock podcast. Okay. Um, so um, not a lot of information coming out. The revised rangers put on hold indefinitely. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask some questions, but I didn't want to seem like a jackass. Which any question I was going to ask was like my number one question is, who the hell was asking for a Magic the Gathering crossover? Who who wanted? Yeah, that? where was that coming from? What the hell? Like I might have asked that if I were in there because yeah, I I I, and I but I sort of know the answer. Hasbro, right? They want well, more money. Oh, I'm they sure. want to pull Follow Magic players money. into Dungeons and Dragons. So let's give the Magic players a setting they're familiar with. Okay. Mm. That would, that would be a good question you know, where you could see their face and hear their answer. Because if they do it in print, it's going to be a yeah. company line. But if if you ask that and they go, eh, but but I well, mean I get it. I, it's just yeah I know. Matt, I don't attend a lot of panels when I go to these types of things, but I did at GaryCon because I thought it sounded interesting. And they had all these insiders, as you said, and a lot of air quotes flying around here. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of air quotes coming around in here. Um, I was just totally. I, no, I was impressed by their ability to say absolutely nothing with yes. so many freaking words. Yes, they they because well they're, no, they're like politicians. He goes, you, "We're answering questions about Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which we haven't thought about for twelve months because we're already working on the next product and in the planning stages of the product after that. So that's what we've been working on. So now you guys are asking us questions for stuff that you know yeah, has been out of our months mind, ago yeah. right yeah. you know maybe not 14 but yeah. you know and they have a good point so the, they're very cautious to what they say um which makes sense you know it, it was good there that there was a somebody who did ask questions about adventures league and i could tell that i wasn't the only one that was holding back their you know biting their tongue because it wasn't an adventures league panel there had been a different one for that i should have attended that one because that one was probably a little spicier with all the season eight silliness they they shoved down people's throats but um you know it was good the interesting thing um was at the end of the uh talk there was probably about 50 people in the room jeremy crawford had said a couple things that that i had some thoughts on and of course (laughs) me being me (laughs) i realized like he's just packing up his stuff in front of him so i just walk up to him i'm like hey jeremy crawford how you doing (laughs) eric holly you know told about the podcast had a couple, you know, words with him. They they did mention that they were he, they were looking at swapping out features like like background features or maybe even class features for some builds. Hmm. I think hmm. that would be an excellent dynamic um, in order to sort of have a you know a smorgasbord class where if you want to be a barbarian but you don't want this feature instead I want to swap it out for this feature and you know there's a list of of ways you can do that. I think because one of the problems I see in fifth edition is every um, 
you know, a champion uh, fighter, you know, is just like every other champion fighter. There's not a lot of different. You can play them different. You can role play them different. But mechanically, they're almost identical. Everybody's got the 20 strength. Everybody has the same sets of skills. Um, you know, and you see people, even see for that, the yes. complex builds like mm-hmm. Warlocks, you see people gravitating towards two or three builds that don't vary from each other yeah. that much. So mm-hmm. it would be nice to get a little more variety mechanically in 5th edition. Um, and right now, that's very, you know, some classes have no variation and some classes have a lot of variation. So that was an interesting thing mm. they talked about. Um, then I went to improv for advanced role playing. Oh, really? A couple uh, younger people um, from uh, that had worked with Second City. Mm-hmm. They were running a class, and they did these little – and I was like, you know, that I was sounds I'm trying fun. to expand my horizons. Um, <laughs> and it was fun. A lot of the people there needed that class because they were very uh, – I don't think they had thought probably as much about their role-playing as they, they could have. Um, which is why this was an excellent workshop. I th- I love to see this workshop at other places. Um, they had a lot of the improv um, drills, mm-hmm. you know. So one of them was, um, you know, you're up there and you're a uh, person on a uh, talk show, and he's sort of feeding you questions, and then you have to build off that. So it's oh, it's cute. you know. Um, so you know, my my guy was a. Uh, uh, Bjorn somebody and I had written a best-selling book on suicide uh, but for some reason I the word of mouth just never really <laughs> worked, oh. you know? so and then they're like yeah but before you did that what uh you know what did you do I was like oh race car driver you know uh, but you know after that that accident you know I had to retire and uh granted it was only pedal cars but I was working my way up and that four-year-old was in my lane and you know, so it was it was pretty good um and they did introduce me to a uh uh, improv technique. I, I've always known about um, uh, yes and. So are you guys familiar with that? That's uh-uh. a, okay, so in improv, when you're working with somebody else, always take what they give you. Never deny them. Um, so if I say I'm a race car driver, they go, well, no, you weren't really a race car driver. You, you, you know, you, you okay. rode bikes. You don't want to deny where uh. they're going because they sort of have this thing. You want to go, yeah, and and but you got out of it, right? Why did you yeah. get out of it? So it's yes and, mm. and, and I use that so a lot when I DM. Dragged you somewhere right? else, yeah. Um, it and, followed, you know, yeah. That was the example we have, uh, that one with, I want to pick up the wood stove and throw it across the room. So most <laughs> DMs go, no, you can't do that. You, you're not strong enough, and it's a wood stove. Yes, and Instead, you throw your back out. Yeah. So, so the correct way is yes, and, which is, okay, you grab the wood stove, and it's hot, and your hands are now stuck to the wood stove. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's yes, and. Now, there's another one that I was not aware of, which fits with role-playing way better, which is no but, um, which is when somebody can't do something, then you swap out, which, which is probably the hand-sticking. Um, so you oh. no, you can't throw it, but you go to grab it, and this is what happens. So it's not a total denial, but you don't want your players getting crazy doing doing unless you're a superhero game, I guess maybe. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. but you know, it's it fits the setting. So so that was a really handy thing to learn. So yes, and no, but. Huh. Um, and then they also had this game where they um, I forget they, like they said snap or something, and you would like say a sentence. They'd ask you a question, you'd say a sentence, and then they go uh, snap. And you'd have to change your answer. So it was, I've seen that done before. Yeah. Yeah. To try to get more creative. Um, so one of the things they said is, you know, always just give an answer 
Don't don't. A lot of people don't want to give their answer. Just just say what you're thinking and go with it. A lot of times, or uh, reject the first thing and go with the second thing because you tend to get more creative as you as you go. You get wilder and wilder with with the right thing. So it was actually, like I said, it was an interesting little class. That sounds fun. Uh, only a couple. I would hours. have liked that. Um, then I played that silly epic. <laughs> um, play. <laughs> Did you do anything other than RPG gaming? Um, and the panels, of course. No. No, I did not. <laughs> was was that opportunity available? Yeah, oh, yeah. I sent you guys a picture of that game library. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that I guess was, that's true. Oh, yes. my God. Their game library was massive. Hmm. I mean, it was... How did they thousands. work that? Just you go and rent a game and then a sign saying players wanted? I don't know. I'm not a board game guy. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> they had tables in the room. Um, they had people behind the tables. They mm-hmm. had, you know, so you would check it out. I don't know if you had to pay or what the deal was. But then, like, you could you could play there. And, right. Um, there were a ton of people doing board game stuff, um, just a wide variety of games. Um, and That's some, kind of how um, uh, uh, HoosierCon in Indianapolis is done where the majority of the people who are gaming are taking advantage of the game library and it's uh, it was always filled pretty yeah. much i mean there was they probably had 15 20 tables and nice. people were there the whole time pretty respectable yeah and like i said i mean there was at least a thousand games. I mean, they just had an entire yeah. It was wall just like a shelves. wall. It was like it was like a game yeah, shop. Yeah, you guys didn't even see it. There was a game shop, so it yeah. went around the corner as well. Um, crazy. Maybe we'll post that picture on our on our Facebook page yep. just because uh, you know it's sort of interesting. Um, so then you know, I I played. Uh, there was a dungeon delve of doom with Mike Merles, one of the des- fifth edition designers mm-hmm. so it's yeah. like a little hour part of the fundraising thing you get a little cert- adventures league certificate he actually was running late um for his he had something else going on he had to leave early so instead of an hour it was 30 minutes it was okay gave him a card <laughs> <laughs> but uh get rid of a lot of a car- lot of cards why do they why do you think they book these you know the gods of gaming and then these people are late see that that to me is just well you had to leave early but okay. yeah uh, yeah, I That's mean, just bad conning, in my opinion. Truthfully, so granted, he only DM for thirty minutes. He was a solid DM, but but here's here's the sort of dichotomy. Like, um, and we talk about this with Satine Phoenix. Like, how did she get to be An representative of, of our hobby? Right. So, yeah. Mike Merles, game designer, great, makes decisions about games. How does yeah. that relate to him being a good DM? I, I've known many great game designers that couldn't run a game to save their life. Exactly. <laughs> right? Now, granted, he was, a, he was a solid DM in the 30 minutes he, he ran it, and mm-hmm. that's probably more than often the case. If somebody's that into the hobby, they're probably pretty good at running games as yeah. well as designing games. Um, but it doesn't really make sense that, like, we're going to have Mike Merles. Wouldn't you rather – I'd rather have 30 minutes to sit down with Mike Merles and talk about 5th edition D&D. Yes. Like, let's let's spend 30 minutes talking about the mechanics of D&D because mm-hmm. that would be far more interesting to me than having him run my Adventures League character for 30 minutes, you know? Uh, but you do bring up a good point that some people who are representing the hobby, um, you kind of wonder what their, their, their credibility is. Yeah. Well, I think in a lot of those cases they're, they're working for the company and they're – they're the you know the marketing well, people and the PR aren't. people for I mean, the company. Matt Mercer does not work for Wizards of the Coast. He would and he was I think he was there. I never saw him, um, but he's an excellent representative for the hobby. Yes, right. I mean he is, you know, his DMing is top notch. 
is a good storyteller, can do all the voices, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, now, nobody elected him either, right? He was sort of a by by majority consent. He started his podcast and it and it took off. Mm-hmm. So, to, you know, by you know popular acclamation, he's become. And I think Satine Phoenix was the same way, uh, but for different reasons. I think her game was a bunch of very pretty people playing D anD D, and yeah. You know, that's let's watch that. <laughs> let's watch that. And I think that's the trend is not only do you have these media like it's almost like marketing people now. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. And same with Adventures League. There's people in Adventures League who I have no idea who they are, but they're like, Oh, that's an Adventures League, you know, uh public affairs administrator, head honcho, and oh, they're very important. I have no idea who they are. Can we talk a little bit about the whole idea of uh the phenomenon a little bit of watching D&D, because that came up uh, recently in a discussion on a social media uh, group that I'm with. I know of it. I don't really watch it. I don't really care for it. I know you do because you use it for kind of yeah. tips and, and, and ideas to use in your gameplay. But, Greg, do you watch D&D or watch... I mean, even watching I, people no. play video games on Twitch or something like that. Yeah, no, I am. I am not a uh, not a game watcher. I've I've never seen. Uh, what about your kid? Critical Role. Uh, now, Brandon. Yeah, he. Uh, both my kids yeah. have spent a lot of time. They uh, watching video games, not watching. Yeah. Not watching role playing games, but watching other people play video now, games. Granted, the the D and D videos is kind of like, and I can see this. It's kind of like old radio dramas. It's kind of theater of the mind. Yeah, I, of I said, yeah, yeah. I, and if you're not really watching that and you're just listening to it, but, that's cool. But, but wait a minute, let me let me give time. a little pushback on Greg here. Okay, do you yeah. listen to podcasts of people playing D and D? I do listen to Ape. There is, I do have a podcast where I listen to people play D and D. There's not a, a that's not much different than no, watching no, them play D and D. It isn't. I just yeah no. I, and I was going to follow with that up too. Is yeah is uh, to be fair, I don't watch much of anything on you i am not a regular youtube visitor youtube is something that you get onto for you know five minutes to watch trailer or a quick video or something like that because i'm not in an environment where i can sit and watch youtube i probably you know would give critical role you know a a run through maybe here uh so just to see what it's like but yeah no there's there's uh i try uh about two years ago i sat down and and i heard you know i heard about it and i thought i'd give it a shot and um, i told you about it yeah well i I wanted to find out about um roll the hit uh, yeah roll the hit and um, and I ended up starting. I think f- like I don't do anything. I do do one of anything. So I started listening to like four of these all at once. And within a couple of months, I was just listening to one. Yeah, the roll to hit because I, I the some of those guys are pretty good, and yeah. some of them and are you very have to be amusing. Invested in the story. Yeah, and then and now I'm invested in these characters, but I couldn't. I've I've not gotten invested in any of the other ones, and uh, and they're not relentless about it. So I'm I'm not pummeled with an hour to a week of them doing it it's you know they haven't recorded for six months okay so, so i've not listened to that I, one do they actually so, go through the game mechanics like you know not no, so much they're no. really light on mechanics yeah, it's, okay. it's, that you are correct it's yeah. more like the old radio dramas um and there is a generational difference mm-hmm. i mean I, I have a hard time watching the series i want to watch on netflix or hulu and when i actually do watch uh uh critical role I put it on 1.25 speed so I can get through <laughs> and a lot faster. <laughs> a right? lot faster, yes. which takes their voices a little higher, but it's still. Um, and I usually run it in the background. Um, and even then, you know, I'm not catching full. And I haven't, you know, I, I go through spurts where I'll watch it. Um, 
But one of the things they did mention in that workshop was they've seen the biggest two-year growth back-to-back D&D has ever had, including during the heyday of the 80s. No kidding. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is the streaming content. Oh, it, it totally is. You know, I mean, Critical Role Reaching is Reaching all kinds of new people mm-hmm. by exposing them to that stuff. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and actually, one of the women that was in the improv, we had to make up a character, and I recognized her character as one of the characters on Critical Role. Uh-huh. So, which to me is sort of a little bit of a cop out, but you know, if that's what that's as far as you're comfortable with, that's it. So, so, and she had a critical, she had that character's T-shirt on, which also sort of oh, gave oops. her away. <laughs> so she was a big fan of that. And I, I do love that character, the Jester character um, on Critical Role. It's mm. a very sort of, it's an interesting take personality-wise. Um, so, so I think there's there's a place for that. I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the the hobby's going. I think that's why the Magic the Gathering crossover came out to try to pull even more people in. Yeah, and I know a lot of people play Magic. I, I just wish they do a better job with Adventures League because a lot of new players start in Adventures League, and because um, if you don't have a group, you can go to your local game store and play. And it would be nice if that was a little more welcoming. Uh, well, and and what I see as more representative of a normal what I. You know, more air quotes, normal role-playing game experience because, and I've said it before, I, I find Adventures League very plot-driven and very mechanical and not a whole lot of what I call fun role-playing experience. Yeah. You know, that was, yeah. that, was yeah. my, mm-hmm. that was my Adventures League experience. Now, about streaming, um, I think a good parallel for us, we didn't have streaming when we were playing. We had books. We did. <laughs> we all shared that common core set of fantasy books. We have a new game that I'm calling Fantasy Author Battle Royale. And um, that fun. goes back to our roots. And we recorded this earlier, so let's give this a listen. Today we're going to play a new game that I, my devious mind has come up with. I love games. A new it, game? It, it is a fun game. And it's based on another game. Have you got, are you guys familiar with the um, F. Mary Kill game? Where usually it's like you give three actresses and one of them you have to um, oh, ask yeah. the other one you have to marry the other one you have to kill. We're yes. not going to be quite quite that crude because obviously we're far more refined than that. <laughs> oh, of course. Since but, when? Since when? <laughs> we spend a lot of time talking about you know the classic fantasy authors: mm-hmm. uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, Robert E. Howard, Fritz Lieber, and Michael Moorcock. And in right. my mind, those are the, the four. They come up. So a we're going to give a, a little brief history of them, and then you guys are going to have to tell me. Which one of those you're going to kill? Now, if we kill the author, none of the works ever get published. Oh, my goodness. The second category is which author you're going to have with you in a zombie apocalypse. Mm. Okay. The third one is which author you would have to have as your college roommate for four straight years. And the last one is which (laughs) author you would have marry your daughter. Everybody here has daughters, so okay. okay so I, I, you know what? I think I've already got that set <laughs> in right, my so, head. Okay. So, and then we'll do, we're going to discuss. So, the authors, just for our listeners. So, we got yeah. a. I got a little summary of, of their. Now, this isn't so much about the, the works they publish, yeah, but about, their, about lives. their books. It's yeah. about their lives. So, we got J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. He's this English dude, right? Right. Now he wrote Lord of the Rings, The Animal Similarian, S- super studious yeah. linguist, makes up his own languages. <laughs> right. Right. He's a professor of literature, which you know. Probably a bookish kind of guy. Now, here's no. the thing a lot of people what? don't know. Fought in World War One At the Battle no, of the Somme. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. He uh, he actually uh, got lucky by getting sick. Yeah, yeah. So 
you know, and he volunteered as a code breaker in World War II, which yes, I think did. he would have been awesome at, given like all that crazy stuff he puts in with like the, the mm-hmm. Elvish language and yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, he, um, he is they didn't end up using him in World War II, but he did volunteer. So, <laughs> so not quite as bookish as you would think. No, I think he was kind of a he, he could he could stand up if he needed to in in a in a fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Robert E. Howard. Obviously wrote Conan. Mm-hmm. Conan. Now he's American from Texas, so I don't know if that's good or bad. But <laughs> cross plains Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, he wrote poetry. A lot of poetry. Again, yeah. this dichotomy between like you know um, the rest of his life now, uh, and you know that sort of bookishness. Um, obviously they're all authors, so I guess they're all going to yeah. be somewhat bookish. Um, he was an amateur boxer and bodybuilder, and an amateur sword fighter. Yeah, so if you see pictures of him, like at one point I saw a series of pictures, like he would want to like wrestle his friends, and there's like him like with his shirt off, and he's he was pretty buff. Um, he also uh, he was nicknamed Two Gun Bob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I forget what the story well, behind all oh, that. Okay. Like, I, I, that was my question. Why I don't that? recall it either. We're gonna have to probably pick. But that he st- up. he stuck with that nickname. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was part of the uh, Lovecraftian circle, so he had a mm. lot of cool friends. Yeah. Right, I mean that that circle of authors uh, was uh, Lovecraft, and and there's some other people that are famous that were in that um, as well. But they had a um, bit of falling out seeing, towards the I end. I remember seeing some yeah. Lovecraft uh, uh, compilations with him. He's yeah. always the featured guy in those. But apparently, he was a mama's boy. <laughs> he, well, you know, <laughs> they wrong with that. I've done some recent research on that, yeah. and a lot yeah. of people do kind of generalize and say that he was a mama's boy and he could not handle the fact that his mother died but I think it had more to do with uh, um, he just was a he's maybe more depressed about a lot of things yeah yeah I think he's, he probably had depression before yes. they actually could recognize it. he actually ended up killing himself after his mother slipped into a coma yes went out to his uh car and shot himself in the head I and believe. he and his father did not get along yeah very well. yeah that so so a little bit of trouble at Fritz Lieber Fafford and the Gray Mouser, Chicago guy, mm-hmm. so Midwest. Uh, yeah, I know the least about him. Poet, actor, playwright. Yes. Chess expert. I didn't, I wasn't able to find what level of chess expert he was, whether he was a master or grandmaster or something, but apparently he was really good. Um, had a philosophy degree. So this guy's he's all over. He is. He was a smart cookie. Yeah. And very uh, a renaissance man. He, he was. He was truly. Now, he was a pacifist during World War II. Um, but he did uh, volunteer to build airplanes. Right. He went into uh, making the airplanes because he figured that would be at least— he, Yeah, He had a patriotic yeah. uh, need to help during the war. Yeah. Um, he After his wife died, he turned into an alcoholic, apparently. Um, so, again, that's not uncommon for these artsy types, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he, his, the end of his life was pretty rough. I guess he was subsisting on the royalty checks from TSR, actually. That's what they say. Because they had published his Lankmar setting, which I still see at conventions. I saw a copy this year uh, at uh, the convention I just came back from. It was like $200 or something for oh, a wow. set. I used to own that and, of course, don't anymore. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, and he died from a stroke while traveling home from a science fiction convention. You got to give him points for <laughs> I that. I respect that, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. But he did. He had a, a he wasn't necessarily uh penniless or a recluse, but he did have a Yeah, a, I mean, he was doing as well end as of he the life, yeah. yeah. Um and then Michael Moorcock, another English guy. Um but he too was a pacifist. Yeah, well, he was an anarchist. Well, yes, an anarchist <laughs> and a pacifist. Now, yeah. he spent half his time 
in Texas and half in Paris. I have problems reconciling that in my mind. I've never been to Texas, and I'm sure my version of Texas is not at all accurate. He's a Renaissance man. Um, but here's here's the cool thing. So he was uh, collaborated with some bands, and yep. Blue Oyster Cult. Um, he actually performed with Blue Oyster Cult. He he I played heard harmonica that. and mandolin. And the, um, he had his own band. I'm a BOC and he had fan. Hawkwind. Hawkwind, yeah. He collaborated. That was like his own. I have a Hawkwind um, CD. Do you? Really? Yeah, I do. And, and Blackblade. I, I was that into Moorcock for a while. Geek cred to you, man. <laughs> Blackblade, The Great Sun Jester, two uh, works by Blue Oyster a veteran yes. of the Psychic Wars. I love oh, yeah. that song. And that those lyrics Heavy metal film were soundtrack. apparently written by Michael Moorcock. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. That might put him over the top for like... The coolest dude of all time. Yeah, you know. Um, so those are our four authors. He's, so big, now he's the only big, one. He's big, also the only one still living. Yeah, yeah. Big yep, scary bearded dude. Um, <laughs> he. Um, the other thing, he he's extremely critical of other authors, not in like a mean way, but like if you look at like the history of fantasy literature, like he did not like Tolkien because Tolkien had this very clean version yes. of fantasy, and Moorcock, yeah. if you read him, is very dark and kind of gritty. In yeah, a sense. yeah. Yes. and and he's like, you know what? You're not doing anybody a service by writing this brain candy. You need to write like actual. If you're gonna write fantasy, write something that makes people think. You know, so yeah, they almost all end bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. So, so those are our four authors. We have our four categories as a group. I think we need to decide. Um, which is going to fit into which category? Hmm. So, so I, which one do you, which one do we get rid of? Which which canon of literature do we? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, okay, this is me. Yeah, I'm gonna I, as much as I love the Fafford and Gray Mouser series, I think that would be the one that we 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 kill. Libra. Yeah, does it have the has the least. Uh... Yeah, uh, effect on everything else. Yeah, it's true. It did came come along later, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, he was sort of doing his own thing, and it wasn't that influential on everybody else. Like, if but you get rid of Tolkien, uh, there's a problem. You're going to have Tolkien and have D and D. Yeah, you yeah. probably wouldn't have D and D if yeah. And if you get rid of Conan or yeah, uh, you Howard, might not have Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have Tolkien. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, they they were working right, silently. but. Yeah, I mean, Temporarily. Uh, the, the, it, I agree. The influence of Faffer and the Grey Mouser. So for now, let's pencil in Fritz Lieber as, as okay. now. What, which category do you guys want to do next? Zombie Apocalypse, co- zombie apocalypse College Roommate, or Who's Going to Marry Your Daughter? I'm going to go with, let's go with the Zombie Apocalypse. Okay, yeah. So the front runner's there. You got to have Tolkien, because he fought in World War One. Yeah. And um, but Howard, she, she, Robert E. Howard, the dude's like buff and is from Texas, which yeah, skul- skulking in the trenches though is different than uh, you know beating and uh, beating people up. And, yes, so, I agree with Greg. I think Howard yeah. is the front runner for the zombie apocalypse partner. Okay, so we'll put him in. Now we have college roommate and marry your daughter, and who we have, we have left Michael Moorcock. That would and be J.R. A, Tolkien. That would be interesting if Michael Moorcock was your college roommate. That would be. I think that's mm. what I think that's the way you got to go because. It just makes college. J.R. Tolkien. I think that's the roommate that like he's always reading. Yeah. And like, yeah. and then, you know, the only conflict you have is if you're like noisy after nine o'clock or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Michael Moorcock, like, he would be bringing dudes into your. <laughs> yeah. He would be the one who you would want to be quiet after one o'clock. Yeah. Like right. that. <laughs> that's the roommate. It's like, hey, have you ever tried acid? <laughs> like. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the he was popular during that period, of. that that acid dropping period too. Yeah. I mean, Michael Moorcock would make college interesting. You might not finish college with Michael Moorcock. You might not survive college. 
<laughs> but so that leaves Tolkien for marrying your daughter, which I think probably as as a father, that's probably the guy you want. You that's, know what? He's the safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's pretty stable his entire life. The other three sort of had some problems. You know, yeah, yeah. was an alcoholic. Howard committed suicide. Michael and none Moore, of them. I'm, I'm kind all, of against the suicide. Uh, yeah, the suicidal yeah. guys. And yeah, Morcock's a little. Uh, I don't, it's in a terms little crazy. of you know financial stability, Tolkien's right. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, you have the Tolkien estate. Yeah. So so <laughs> <laughs> then we're agreed. So unfortunately, Fritz Lieber didn't make the cut. Uh, well, over to him. We're gonna have Robert E. Howard covering our back in the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Yep. And you know, two gun, two gun Bob. Bob. He, he's got to be. We're gonna have Michael Morcock as our college roommate. And we're going to have a really good four years, or five. Uh, well, with, uh, with Moorcock, it might be five, or maybe and, more. And our son-in-law is going to be J.R. Tolkien, which is sort of cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. All right, uh, well, that was fun. That <laughs> yeah. was fun. Okay. And we learned a little bit, little too. In, little yeah. insight on, uh, yeah. on our influential authors here. Entertaining while educating. Yeah. Now back to our regular podcast. Okay, so yeah, that was a fun game, and and that's our version of. Stri- so I'm not going to fault anybody for streaming. Yeah. We did the same thing with with J.R.R. Tolkien and yeah, and, yeah. you know Robert E. Howard. We all shared that that common experience. Um, so then I played a Cthulhu game with oh, the U2 yeah. King Cthulhu group. That's the one you played. Yeah, in. I like those guys. Yeah, and it was uh, based on feudal Japan, which I love. I, you know, I am a sort of a fan of the, yeah. the you know, feudal. They Japan. have a we lot all of played them. like these high powered samurais in service to a lord. Um, they're good about having a lot of variety in their yeah, scenarios. My, my only complaint, we were a little rushed. It, we, it started to go a little long, and the ending, I hate when that happens. It, the GM mm-hmm. did a pretty good job with Four it. Four-hour sessions? Four-hour session. Um, but, you know, a good GM will realize you're behind and cut out that middle crap because you want the finale to be strong. Um, yeah. An, another <laughs> Madison uh, throwback. So, <laughs> and speaking about strong finales, when I was in the SCA, uh-huh. they had a event up in Madison, and there was a guy who used to recite uh, epic poetry, like Viking epic poetry. Yeah. And he was oh, a bus I driver. Think I remember. <laughs> and I remember talking to him one time. He goes, I memorize, and these things are like thousands of lines long. Yes. Uh, I, th- his, I think his name was Rodier, I think. Yeah, I think you're right, because you're sparking some memories. Yeah. Yes. And he told me, when I memorize them, I recite it while I'm driving my bus, and I always start from the back, the last line, and memorize it backwards, because that way your weak part is at the beginning, and you always have a really strong finish. Which makes perfect sense, but then I'm thinking, can you imagine being on this dude's bus? Because some of the epic poetry is pretty yeah. brutal. And he's doing it backwards? Well, he would do like the last line, then the second to the last line, and the last line, then the third to the last line, second to the last line, last line. So that's how he would memorize it. Wow. So, but it would be very freaky being in Madison, Wisconsin in the yeah. middle of the night and having some dude reciting epic poetry wow. <laughs> while driving the bus. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's just one of my pet peeves. Always give the players a strong finish because that's the climax of the of right. The that's the payoff. You know? yeah. But it, we managed to fit it in. It was a little rushed, um, and it was a good time. And then, uh, and hopefully these guys will be listening. I told them about the podcast. I played an uh, AD and D white box. Way to go! And um, it was it was a separate box. world in the world that it was ran in. It was a, a adventure that's going to be published. Uh, named uh, La Chasse or La Chase, the Chase, um, and the world it's set in is called Avramir by David Hill, um, and he's uh, Moth Shade Concepts. He's had his own campaign world 
since the old days. And he has a series of books. They're published, and they look like the um, ODD, mm-hmm. you know, box set books. Yeah. Uh, but they're also available on RPG now. Uh, the game was run by uh, Carlos Lising. I think that's how you say his name. Forgive me if I'm not. Um, and an interesting twist on um, D&D. He you know, has his own world. Um, there's uh, these armagers, which is sort of like a subclass of paladins or a replacement class for paladins, and they're sort of like lawgiver types. Um, and uh, an interesting world. There's about less than a 1% chance I would ever play a world besides Greyhawk, but I do <laughs> enjoy stealing stuff from other settings. So Greyhawk is a huge setting. There's a million kingdoms, and um, just looking through that stuff, I could easily take that, that um, setup and drop it into a single kingdom nice. to give a little bit of variety in my game. So if anybody, you know, uh, I encourage people to check it out. Um, it's very reminiscent of, of early oh, yeah. D&D. I'm uh, leafing through this, and it's got, you know, lots of tables. Lots of tables. It's got that, uh, well, I don't know, Greg, what do you call that? About a 5 by 8 Oh, it's it's a it's eight and a half by eleven folded in half. Yeah, eight and a half by eleven folded in your, half. Your classic yeah. uh, um, Kinko's Copy Shop style of but book. Not the, that this is. I mean, this is obviously printed much nicer than that. But that's you know that's old game books. That's how I used to make them. Is the one thing that is Xerox them. A big difference is the artwork is much better. <laughs> yeah, it, actually, if you go, he has a Facebook page for Mothshade Concepts, mm-hmm. um, and uh, a couple of the reviews on there do mention how the artwork is. Uh, it's very nice artwork. Um, you know, that's the hard part when you're running games is, is being original, coming up with stuff. And, you know, I would say plagiarize, plagiarize. That's why God made your eyes. Like people, you know, um, like David, have, have put t- 40 years into this world. Yeah. There are, you know, undoubtedly some true gems in there that you can, even if you're not going to want to play in his campaign world, although you might, that would be cool too, you can take pieces of that and incorporate it into yours, which, you know, it never hurts to have more resources at your fingertips, it looks, and it's reasonably it cool. priced too. I think, I think they were like six dollars each on RPG now. Oh, uh, nice! Something like that. Um, don't quote me on that, but uh, not not outrageously expensive by any yeah, means. We'll have to throw up some links. Um, and it was good to play original D anD D again. You know that. What did you play? What character class? Whatever. I played a rogue, mm-hmm. um, a thief. Uh, yeah, our thief. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, thief. Uh, we had a thief. We had our uh, variant of the ranger set to, in this world, an assassin who had a religious background. Nice. Uh, so that she was lawful neutral, um, and uh, magic user. And we had to track down this this uh, uh, baroness who was had this huge retinue. So we had to capture her, and then there was this plot that we had to, to foil. You know, at one point, I walked into a garrison and pretended like I was part of the retinue had fallen behind again like old D, way more problem solving on the fly like we got to catch up she's got 50 people with her how is we don't even know where she is so you know i go back to my you know D roots and be like i'm a rogue i'm gonna walk in and pretend i'm part of her try to steal some uniforms and get Blend. some information from the garrison you know i mean that's just we're not fighting unless we have to. You right. know, mm-hmm. your my abilities fit on one page. You know, hide <laughs> nice. in shadows, move silently. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff you can do. You have to use your brain instead of your dice. No persuasion roll. 
Yeah, no persuasion <laughs> roll. I mean, the Real. DM was rolling to see whether they believed my outrageous story yeah. or not. And luckily, they rolled really poorly. The rest of the table was having a great time laughing about it because, you know, I'm just having to come up with stuff on and the fly. It's, that's the best way to play. Yeah. I mean, I and that's fifth edition. Somebody goes, I'm, I'm going to persuade him that, you know, I'm part of the retinue. Roll dice, right? Yeah. That never happened. It was it was interaction. Me and the DM. Well, how come you're not with them? Oh, I fell behind. She wanted me to go hunt down some rabbits so we could try to trap some you know some bears. And then I got you know turned around in the woods. And now, I'm, well, where's your uniform? Oh, we got torn up on the brambles. Like you know, I mean, it was all there was no option. <laughs> right. In fifth edition, I'm waiting for the DM to tell me, okay, make your persuasion roll. In not going it's just you need to persuade me. Yes. You need to persuade this NPC. Like yep. go at it. Um, and I still do quite a bit of that in my fifth yeah, edition. Much more enjoyable. It was great to yeah. to play that. It was a great group of guys. They they had played together for a long time, um, so it was interesting being the new guy. Um, and that was late uh, Saturday. Then Sunday morning, I actually stayed overnight. I was a little like, eh, should I really stay overnight? One more night hotel to play one game on Sunday morning. But I played the new version of Villains and Vigilantes. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, I knew um, there was a new one of that coming out. I'm not a big superhero guy. I played Villains of the Joanties in 1983, the huh. original version, but yeah. apparently the guy who wrote it just got the rights back. It was in limbo for a while. Um, yeah, sounds One familiar. really good mechanic that I liked, um, which was you have hit points, mm-hmm. and then you had power points, and the way it worked was your abilities, for the most part, use power points. And depending on the force level of the ability, I think I had 50, I had 60 power points and 12 hit points, right? Um, and... I had a death touch power, which took 12 power points. Well, when I'm out of power points, I'm sort of sort of stuck. So you have to, like, be cautious with how you're using your power points. But also, when you got hit, you could roll with it, which means you could take 10% of the, your power points. Um, up. So if I had 60, I could take six points of damage and take it off my power instead of my hit points. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's just a very elegant mechanic for superhero games because that's sort of the way, like, you beat down superheroes they're not physically taking damage most of the time they're just you're just wearing them down and then even when they do when you're out of power now you start taking the hit point damage um unfortunately i did kill somebody because i'm not a superhero guy and i death touched him and you couldn't roll with it and i rolled really high and then the authorities came and that's why i don't play superhero games yeah i'm just not a good guy i yeah um, it's it's tough not killing people in a superhero game, and and also it was we I randomly made my character and uh, I called him Fungus Among Us because I had the death touch. Oh, <laughs> then he was like a, <laughs> a, good. a mushroom good. guy. Um, we had uh, one of the players there. Great job! I had a character called Ragtime Andy, who was one of those like banjo playing robots from like the nineteen twenties. Nice. And uh, he would do, yeah. he would play like these little songs and like do it, sing them mechanically. And he was really good at it. We had another guy who did a great Swedish accent. Um, <laughs> and that makes a great game when you've got people who yeah. can add that into their yeah. characterization. Sounds like yeah. a fun bunch. So it was, it was a good, and now, you know, I don't have time to play another game, you mm-hmm. know, or run another game, but um, I did, I did like that aspect of the game. It was very reminiscent of how superheroes would actually work where you're not taking the damage, you're taking it off your power, and once that runs out, you can't do your superhero stuff for the most part. So let me ask you, uh, before we kind of wrap up here, um, I don't think you've got any more game conventions coming up until the local one? 
Uh, yeah, in we have January. Winter yeah, War. January. Are you break. going? To, are you going to run anything, or are you going to play? Um, well, I told him I would run Adventures League, but Pathfinder Society is strong in this area, and Adventures League yeah. is, is a, not even a close second. Just well, can I suggest second. to you? Yes. Step off that cliff and come play some board games. Board games. Oh my <laughs> God! I don't. Know. I've seen you play you know, them. Yeah, I know. You know what? I I did. We know you own them. <laughs> I did speak to somebody as I was going to play the villains of Vigilantes. I saw somebody who was playing Scythe, and I said, "Hey, I own that game. I've never played it." <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, you know, it's if you want to learn how to play it, you should probably play it with somebody else." Um, because it's not an easy game to learn on your own. And also, I have two copies of Conan sitting on my shelf that I've also never played. One of them I've pulled apart for um, Well, the I minis. am running the Conan game at Winter War, so you uh, there's four seats available. Well, I probably have to sign up for it. Yeah, I might. I definitely want to play Conan, because that, that seems like a really, really fun game. Yeah, um, yeah I'm... And especially after my last experience with Adventures League, I think I need to pull back a little. From I did not enjoy take that a little effort, vacation. If you couldn't tell, yeah, um, yeah. So that, that was sort of the genesis of this podcast. Yeah. Um, no, I'll probably sign up for a variety. Well, I did it this time. I I've, I expanded my horizons RPG wise. I think probably Winter War is a good chance to. to We're proud of you for breaking out. Yeah. 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 Yep. Greg, you want to take us out? Yep. Yep. I think that's. Uh, enough I don't think if we go any further. Eric yeah. may have to, like, you know, yeah, go have. into therapy. Yeah, yeah, my blood pressure. I need to yeah, that's not good for pills. you. Yeah. Well, if you uh, got any suggestions for Eric games that Eric could branch out into, <laughs> please feel free to get hold of us on Facebook, where we are the Grognards. Um, you can tweet at us, at TGrognards. And on Instagram, we are the underscore Grognards. And our good old school regular email is gamers at thegrognards.com. All right, and that is a wrap for us. For the Grog Nerds, I'm Dean Geigen. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And goodbye. Talk to you later. Game on. <laughs>